What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to My Social Life. This is the podcast where you can hear the real stories behind the people on social media. I'm your host, Jacob Kelly. Before we jump into today's conversation with just Dustin, there's a couple things that we need to go over first. Number one, if you enjoyed today's podcast, please consider leaving a rating and review. The more positive ratings and reviews we get, the more it helps new people find the podcast and it really helps to grow the community that we're developing here. And if you're one of those people that have recently found the podcast, welcome. I'm very excited to have you here. Make sure you subscribe, stay tuned for future episodes. And to everybody listening, make sure you screenshot this, post it to your Instagram story, tag at my social life podcast, and I'll feature you on the account and send you a message as well. Now, without further ado, let's get to my conversation with Just Dustin. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to My Social Life. This is the podcast where you can hear the real stories behind the people on social media. I'm your host, Jacob Kelly, and today we're joined by Just Dustin. If you don't know who that is, Dustin is a YouTuber based in Ottawa, Ontario, and he's got over 3 million subscribers, and I'm very excited to have him here on the podcast today. Dustin, welcome to the show. Thank you. Appreciate it. My pleasure. So where I want to kind of start is... I want to start with your YouTube channel, like how you would explain the type of content you produce. I've seen people describe it in a couple different ways. So okay, like, yeah. How would you describe it? It's always really difficult. I mean, like you go to like an, uh, an event or like, uh, you know, someone fans you and the parent ask you what kind of videos you make. And it's always really hard for me to do because like one of my content changes a lot. But I would say challenges and destruction mm-hmm. is probably the best way to sum it up. I used to do a lot more like, DIY stuff and and stuff like that but it always like there's always an element of of like destruction or an element of grandness and what I mean by grandness is like um like my content is just a little bit like extreme content you know like if I'm gonna do a DIY well I'm not gonna show you how to build this chair you know if gummy things are a trend I'm gonna build a 300 pound gummy version of myself and then destroy it mm-hmm. right so just a little bit of extreme stuff yeah. so yeah so before we kind of really get into it, i want to jump back a little bit <clears throat> yep i'll talk about football okay yeah you played football growing up your entire life right i did yeah i did that's uh probably the biggest portion of my life mm-hmm. i think i think i don't know about now but i think that for the majority of my youtube career my audience probably thought i was still playing football or knew I played football, but they don't know any details about it at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. So you say they knew that because you had like the shoulder pads and the helmet from time to time in the videos or? Yeah. Like I, I'm always doing like kind of athletic stuff in my videos, you know, I'm jumping off walls or I'm jumping over a table or, or doing something like that. And then what I'm most probably known for is my hundred layer wall videos, mm-hmm. um, where I just basically make a wall out of you know, any given material, it usually it started off with tapes. Um, and then at the end, they do a thing called the pain train where you basically just sprint and smash to the wall. And yeah. They could see the, you know, helmets, not just a generic helmet. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think, I think they knew because of that reason. And as well, like my YouTube crew, um, they reference it a lot. You know, we'll do a lot of challenges and like, you know, you can't kind of escape athletics if you do enough challenges you know like even on like a show like big brother or something athletic matters to a degree so whenever there's elements of that they always rep oh well he played football and this and that so i think generally that's how people found out mm-hmm. but uh yeah so so how long did you play for i well i played total my life i probably played for like 13 years probably maybe 14 years mm-hmm. um i played university for five years um and then i stopped yeah. So, yeah. So Actually, I played a year after that. 
Oh, you did? Where'd you, I did. Where'd you play after that? Um, I was just going to a lot of tryouts and stuff um, for like pro camps. Mm -hmm. And then I played for a semi-pro team uh, for half a season. The second half just came in, then played playoffs and stuff, and that's it. Okay. Where was yeah. that? Where was that? That was in Ottawa. That was uh, the Ottawa Invaders. Okay. Was. So I, I played for them for a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what are some lessons you learned over your 13-year football career playing in university? I mean, I learned a lot of lessons, um, for sure. Lessons that are, like, applicable to YouTube. Um, uh, probably just, like, like overall toughness. Do you know what I mean? And, and I don't even mean, like, physical toughness, sure. You know, like, you know, some, like, a, like a regular person, when they fall down, it's like, it's a big deal. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, like, what happens? Like, man, I just, I fell down the last step the other day, and it's like, you know, in football, it's like you run as fast as you can on kickoff for 40 yards and smash into another guy's running as fast as you, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's not a big deal. You fall down 70 times of practice. Like, it's just, no, nobody cares, you know what I mean? It's like, you, like, like hey, this, this, sorry, I'm, I'm going on a little bit of a tangent. It's okay. But I, I find it funny. If they get hurt, it's not funny. But people who haven't played sports, I always say this, don't know how to fall they just don't like if you're like they have no sense of like um like body awareness you know what i mean mm -hmm. like if you were to push an athlete really hard unexpected like just you know without um them prepping or, or whatever um they're gonna fall like the roll on their side as they're falling or like they just automatically know how to protect themselves or use the momentum to maybe get back up, like something, you know what I mean? So that they don't actually get really hurt. Mm -hmm. When an, an, a person that hasn't played sports before falls, they just fall. <laughs> like, they just like timber or they just, like it's just, it's bad. And that's how they end up getting hurt in my mind. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, anyways, getting, getting back away from that, real lessons I've learned other than um, overall toughness. Uh, I would say is resilience. And what I mean by that is like, um, actually, uh, with my friend Rob, uh, they did a, uh, an article from the GGs on this. And that's why I said resilience. Mm -hmm. um, it's that both YouTube and football, it's like you can work super, super hard to something, right? Like you just put all your eggs in one basket and, and drive towards that. And you expect a result often but you're not entitled to that result. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's like, just because you worked hard for it doesn't mean you deserve it. You know what I mean? Or it doesn't mean that it's even going to happen. Um, so for an example, it's like, you could train way harder than someone else and they still get the starting spot. Your team as a whole could train way harder than another team and you could still get your ass kicked when you show up at Western, you know? or fluke play happens or, or whatever. So it just teaches you how to go through that and accept that and then still push forward, mm -hmm. right? So it's like, okay, well, you come in, you work your ass off all year and you show up game one, you get just run over, smacked, boom. It's not even close, you know? And you'll review that film, learn from your mistakes, right? Make corrections go back to training and then do it again the next week and then after the season you do it again the next season so like with youtube for example some of my biggest videos that i've put the most money into the most resources 
Um, the biggest one being time. Don't do as well, you know? It's like, it's crazy. It's like, there's like some videos where I put so much time and effort into it and then I produce it and it just doesn't do well. And I'm like, you know, can I swear on this? Yeah, absolutely. I'm like, what the fuck? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, but there's some where it's like, like I did like mixing every glue in the world. I thought that was a trash idea or like I thought it was okay thumbnail and title but how am I going to make that a long video you know and so I put it off for like two months and it came down to it and I was like panicked for a video idea and I was like like fuck it you know I'm just I'm gonna mix every glue in the world let's just try it and my cameraman Travis um he always laughs because he said the entire time I was miserable filming that video I was like the whole time I'm like this is shit video this is just I hate this this is not gonna work but I had to put it out right and I filmed it real quick too. And it got like 9 million views. And so it's like, okay, you know? Um, but yeah, so anyways, long story short, I think there's a ton of lessons, but the most applicable one is resilience. Mm -hmm. That you just, you got to learn from your mistakes, but ultimately you got to keep moving forward and you're going to get your ass kicked. Even if you're good at something, you're still going to get your ass kicked if you want to progress. So... Yeah. My takeaway from that whole tangent is kind of like you need to have a lack of expectation. You know what I mean? Like when you go into yeah. something, like you might think a video is going to do super well. And if it yeah. doesn't, you can't invest all of your expectation to that video doing really well. Yeah. It's just whatever. Well, I, th I think you can have the expectation. Mm -hmm. Well, it depends on, again, what you're viewing as expectation. Yeah. You know, like if it's like an entitlement or anything like that, maybe not. But like <clears throat> you just have to be, I think, loose with that expectation. Mm -hmm. You know, it could be like, I expect this. Or like, it's like, hey, I expect this to happen. But if it doesn't, it's like, you gotta, that's gotta be like, okay in the sense that like, you're gonna take something positive from it mm -hmm. and be able to apply it to that. Then next thing will happen. Yeah. 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 You're, you're right about that. I, just, <laughs> I feel like some people could take that as like, don't care about yeah, anything, fair. you know? Mm -hmm. so. And so talk to me about starting the YouTube channel. Because yeah. I talked to Rob before and he said you waited for the perfect moment. To start your channel so like yeah. what why did you wait for the perfect moment and what was that perfect moment i think it, like i'm a pretty calculated person mm -hmm. um for the most part and like it wasn't like i was like you know had this like grand master plan of timing and the algorithm and this and that but i knew that like i don't like to um kind of test the waters like i like to be I, I try to view everything from the viewer's perspective, right? Yeah. And it's like, I want, if I'm going to come into something, I want to come in guns blazing, right? So that it has the best chance of working out. And when it came to YouTube, um, like I had already been on, on Charlie's, like Wolfie's channel, uh, Roy Rayner, which is my best friend, Zach. Um, and I had been on a lot of like Team Alvo's videos and stuff. And like, I knew they were making money, knew they were doing well and stuff. But um, I never created a channel because I knew I wasn't ready to keep up that channel. And I knew that I didn't know how to be a YouTuber, you know. And especially coming from football, you know, being goofy on YouTube isn't received that well. But it's received really well when you get 10 million views. You know what I mean? People change a little bit on that. Um, and another thing is um, I didn't even have the, the resources. I didn't have a laptop. I went through all university without a laptop. You know what I mean? Didn't have a laptop, didn't have a camera. Um, so, and I was working at Top Man. Uh, so, again, uh, 
long story short, I sold my drum set and everything and bought a camera and fixed the old computer. And then I had all the resources and then I still didn't do it because I wanted to prep so that my friends' videos kind of coordinated with mine. There was a little bit of hype built around me. And then I filmed a video and once I had it completely ready with my banner and everything, and everything was perfect and I knew we were, uh, the kids were going back to school or were approaching like it was end of August, mid-August, which is like a really hot spot for YouTube. And there was a good trend going on that I was already embedded in from another channel. So that's why I produced that specific first video because I knew that all that funnel would really push that. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, that's the perfect storm, basically. And one thing you said that really caught my attention is like the kids are going back to school soon. Yeah. So was you launching your channel then with the expectation that once it starts to do well, kids are going to talk when they're back at school and they're going to kind of spread the awareness of your channel? No, it was, uh, no, because the thing is September is a down month for the most part. Interesting. Kids have less time. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, no, it wasn't really that. It, it was, um, it, what I, them going back to school, I don't know what it is exactly that causes it. Maybe it's like summer's ending, people are outside less or winding down. I don't know what it is, but mm -hmm. it seems at least that August and December are just really good months for YouTube. Um, so I just knew there was a lot of activity on the platform is what I'm trying to say. Okay. Yeah. And so why'd you name your account just Dustin instead of just your full name? Uh, I don't know why I didn't name it my full name. I think it just wasn't as catchy because mm -hmm. all my friends had um, not their real name as their accounts. And so I wanted like a cool username and I couldn't think of one. Like there were so, there was the ones I went through because like my nickname in everybody else's uh, videos was Mr. Viral Video because if I was in the video, it ended up going viral okay. and it was, I was like a good luck charm. And really what it was, it was was it wasn't like my on-camera personality was so good it just everyone drove to the video you know it was the fact that if i was in a video it required so much work and it was such a crazy idea that it was going to go viral it's just i'm the one that helped pull it off right mm -hmm. so there's mr viral video there was viral b which is a terrible name <laughs> um there was uh justin with a d because my name is dustin obviously but my friend had chat with a j so I couldn't do that. And then uh, my friend's mom, who's pretty much like my mom, uh, Charlie and Zach's, uh, she's like, why don't you make it just Dustin? And I was like, like Dustin, like just my name. She's like, no, like just Dustin, like one word. And I was like, oh, like I kind of like that. And the username was taken. Oh, shit. Yeah. And uh, you know when it's like you kind of want something but then the second you can't have it, you really want it now. It's like, oh, like I missed my, fuck, no, this is the one I wanted. That happened. And then so I went towards Just Dustin. I like, kind of liked it because everyone, a lot of people will just call me Justin. Mm -hmm. You can have brands email me saying, you know, hi, Justin. And then they can tell like, fuck. Like, but I just, I don't even correct people half the time. So it, it's kind of a little bit of play on words and stuff. And mm -hmm. Yeah, so she, she picked it. Shout out to Mandy. So. so talking about that first video, it was the 100 layers of aluminum foil wall yeah. challenge, right? Yeah. So how did you come up with that? Was that just kind of the trend at the time and you were just playing off it? <clears throat> yeah, so there, there was... Um, 100 layers was definitely the trend. I think that was one of the biggest trends ever to hit YouTube, which mm -hmm. ironically was started by Simply Neological, which is from Ottawa. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, my friend Rory, Zach, he... Uh, 
he thought of the original idea to do 100 layers of saran wrap wall. A lot of people don't know the wall of video series actually came from him. Okay. And uh, yeah, so um, we did that on his channel and I thought it was a stupid idea. I honestly did. I was like, this is, this is dumb. Like, this is not that interesting. But we did it and it did really well and it was really fun doing it. And I was like, and that's where the pain train came from. Or it sparked in that video. And then when he was really telling me like, hey, like we'd be a great duo, he's really pressing me to make a channel and we became that. Um, we got the idea to, hey, he would give me that video series that I could do my first video on that. Mm -hmm. And I would, because I fed ideas to everyone at the time, I would give him the idea of suits. So like I would do an aluminum foil wall, he would do an aluminum foil suit. I do a duct tape wall, he would do a duct tape suit. And then we push each other's videos that way, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so aluminum foil was, you know, after you do one type of material, you just, the easiest thing is to do another. Yeah. And I thought aluminum foil would be a really cool one. Mm -hmm. And again, I wanted to come out with a bang. So that's why I chose that one basically. Yeah. There's a couple things in that first video that are still kind of staples in your channel. I want to yeah. ask you about yeah. the warehouse. Where did you have a w access to a warehouse from your first video? Mm -hmm. Um, so Chris and Mandy, uh, the rants on YouTube, uh, they own a gym called Human 2.0. So I worked there when I was in university. Uh, I trained there, did rehab, everything there. Um, <clears throat> and basically, they just gave us the keys because they're YouTubers too, you know, and they, all the kids are YouTubers. And, and whenever we would do something that they didn't want us to do in the house, because the house was the film house, you know, the DIY kitchen. Uh, Whenever it was something crazy enough that they were like, we don't want to deal with the mess, we don't, it's just not enough space, you're going to break shit, go to the gym. You know, here's the keys, just make sure you clean up in the morning. So the gym would close, they'd give us the keys, we'd come in, we'd film, then we'd leave. Uh, and because I'm so close with them and I'm just the, the trusted son, um, they just give me the keys whenever I want. It's awesome. So, yeah, for the most part, gym closes at 8 and it's... Uh, turns into a very different place till about 4 a.m. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And the other thing too is you ended your video with Sui, which has become a, like a staple of your channel. Yeah. So where did that idea come from? Was that just like an in the moment thing you said that picked up traction or was that a calculated decision? It, it was, it wasn't in the moment, but it wasn't calculated. Um, I actually, I don't even know if I did it that video. Might have, but I didn't do it in the beginning. I did this like, thing i was i was trying to find an, an intro basically mm -hmm. and i had a it was your outro in that one it was my it was my outro okay mm -hmm. there you go so in the beginning of that video i ended up doing like 12 intros and it got a little redundant but everyone else thought it was funny that i knew um so basically suey long story short there was i played football i came from football there was uh i first heard it there was this uh football player in the auto area everyone just called him phil og because no one could pronounce his last name and he played for the East Ottawa Generals. Big, scary dude running back. Nobody wanted to hit him. And uh, so whenever we played them, when it was just going to be, a, you know, a bruising game. And uh, remember, ran, he ran over a guy one time. And he went, sweet, like that. But he didn't, he didn't really do it the same way I did it. He's, I think he said sweet. And then he pointed at the first down. And I realized that he had got it, I think it was from either like, uh, I think it was Shannon Sharp or Michael Irvin or one of those guys that they say sweet, but they do it in like this weird way. 
And then I found out the Arkansas Razorbacks, that's like their whole thing, but it's a pig call for them because their Razorbacks is like a, like a warthog pig, right? So the whole stadium goes suey, suey, suey. And uh, I don't know. It was just fun to say. You know what I mean? It was one of these things that was just fun to say. And it started off as sweet. Uh, but when I said it, you, like, I can't say it quietly. It's like, mm-hmm. sweet. Like, it doesn't sound the same. You got to scream it to get that, like, bell curve on it, you know? Um, so, uh, yeah, that's how it, it birthed, basically. And then as I just adapted it for what was fun on my channel, it became sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's it. Like, I just did it. And a lot of people commented about it. A lot of tons of people were doing it. In fact, my friends don't even, like my Team Alba group, whenever I see them, they say, yo, Sui, what up? Like, they, like my name is Sui. Like they say, if I ever joined Faze, it'd be Faze Sue, you know? But yeah, so. That's interesting. Yeah. And then what was your expectation when you put out that first video? Because yeah. today it's at like <clears throat> 9.2 million. Yeah. And in that first week, you had 100,000 subs. Like, were yeah. you expecting it to pick up that much traction right away? I knew, I knew it would pick up a lot. I'm not going to lie. Because mm-hmm. again, I knew it was a perfect storm. Um, and I knew people already knew me, you know, mm-hmm. like I, I helped, like I was, it's not like, I don't want to say I was a part of it as if like, I was like a, like a staple, like I probably could have been replaced. Um, but, uh, like Wolfie Raps, like was one of the, I honestly think one most influential channels on YouTube during that period. Um, and so because I've literally been in, I think, 95% of his videos on his main channel, because I was a part of so much of that, and he was growing at such an insane rate, like I'm talking like 70,000 subs a day, um, I knew that when I created a channel, he didn't even shout me out right away. It was like a couple of videos down, I think. I just knew that some of those people would, like there was a, a couple of week hype of like, um, on Zach's channel, there was a like hashtag Dustin make a damn channel. So it kind of became like there was a, a build up, a surge ready, right? Mm-hmm. So the second we made that live, it was like that surge just came through. So I didn't think it'd be 100,000. Did not. Um, I thought it would be around 10, 20,000, to be honest, subs that would come in. Mm-hmm. But the thing I've learned on YouTube, and I knew it very immediately, is that you can't get that type of growth like you're not going to get the biggest growth from shoutouts. You're going to get it from your own video going viral and going to an audience beyond even the person who shouted you out. You just need to figure a way to make that happen. Um, so I clearly popped an algorithm on that one. And then when that went viral right away, I was at a cottage. I posted the video and I'm more stressed because it was shit Wi-Fi. And I just like anytime, like I had Social Blade. Mm-hmm. I would just leave that open and it was like the numbers never stopped rolling and uh yeah no. so i didn't expect it but mm-hmm. i knew it would be pretty big yeah and yeah. one thing that wasn't in that first video that's like a mainstay in your videos mm-hmm. now is there's not really any weapons so where did the weapons come from when did that start right, there wasn't a lot of weapons in that eh? Mm-hmm. the most uh, thing you had in terms of a weapon was a kettlebell on like on a, a rope on a, yeah on the the rings mm-hmm. um damn i never really took in that there wasn't a lot of weapons in that the weapons, I think, came... Destruction in general. I know destruction was my first thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think really took off was the giant black marshmallow I made. Um, because, uh, again, a lot of the other 
videos, whenever they would film, they would build something and then they just, the second the camera was off, boom, it's just thrown out. You know what I mean? Um, but I'd be the guy throw, cleaning up and throwing it out. And so I would just be like, why don't I just like, we're just gonna throw this out. Why don't I just break it a little? You know what I mean? So I just break it a little and then throw it out. It'd be kind of fun. But the giant black marshmallow, um, we were short on time for the video. We need the video to be longer. So me and Charlie were like, well, why don't we just go beat the shit out of this thing? You know? And so we took a baseball bat, the OG bat, before it was broken. Um, and we just went to the public park and lit it on fire and beat it with a baseball bat. <laughs> and uh, that's, I think, the first intro of Weapons. Uh, and then I could just tell that people really liked it. Um, and then every DIY afterwards, I realized it's fun to break shit, you know, and people like it and they'll watch a video for longer. So I'd break it, but it was usually just with a mallet or a simple weapon. And then I, I just was like, well, if I want to keep freshness to my videos, I should do it with different weapons now. And then about a year ago, like I was trying to stray away from that actually for a while. But then about a year ago when I had a really viral video take off, I just went full tilt on weapons and I was like, this is what the people want. So now it's like, if you saw my Amazon cart, like I should be on the FBI watch list. I'm sure I am. <laughs> like, so yeah. yeah. Why were you hesitant at first? With weapons? Mm -hmm. um, two reasons. One, because I didn't want to become jackass and we were kind of headed in that direction. You know what I mean? Like I have... Like David Parody or someone, I always envied the fact that they could just sit down, goof around for 20 minutes with a little game, wrap up their video, and that's it. Um, and I always end like I, I loved that they could do that, right? And I realized that when you go down that rabbit hole, it's very hard to get out because your audience wants that, you know. Um, so I was trying to basically dig out a little bit, and try to make easier content. And as well, I had a lot of demonetization issues um, early on. So basically, uh, I think it was like at one point I had, before my YouTube rep got involved, or it was, I think out of 13 videos, it was 11 got demonetized. And like my videos are expensive. So there was like a financial crisis, you know what I mean? Uh, so like I was still like, I still, it's not like I was, you know, slumming it. But, like, I definitely wasn't that profitable. Um, so it was mostly demonetization and just because I wanted to make easier content. But, uh, yeah, and, like, I didn't want to become jackass. Like, we, like, I was more, like, like, a channel I loved at the time is TGF Bro. Mm -hmm. I still love them. I think they're, they're just fucking awesome. But it's very hard to be TGF Bro, I think, you know? It's like... I don't like bashing my head through a wall. Like if you talk to anyone that's filmed with me, like that's my least favorite part of the week. You know, I look at it and it's like, yeah, okay, it's, it's beaten to shit. And I know I'm going to go through it. You know, I know it's going to go through it, but it's still the intimidation of you see a wall. You know, it appears as if it's all together and you're about to run it. Literally, I ran to a brick wall, you know? It's like, I'm about to run full speed, dive head first through a brick wall right now. That sucks. <laughs> Let's be real. It sucks, you know? And we started doing things like stunts even. And we were just becoming like jackass and like the TGF bro style where like hurting yourself becomes a part of your videos. And I just, I knew that that was just a dangerous, bad rabbit hole to go down in terms of 
what YouTube wants for their platform and sustaining. It just became a bad deal. Mm-hmm. So I tried to gear away from it. And I think now I've landed in a spot where I'm still able to do stuff like that. But YouTube um, is accepting of what I do now, which is great. Yeah. So I don't deal with demonetization now at all. So. That's good. But talking about that balance of creating content that you want to create versus what yeah. your audience wants to create and what yeah. that balance is. Yeah. I mean, it's probably sounding like I don't like what I do, you know, (laughs) but no, I do. I just, I think that like, I always say like, it's not, here's the thing. So I love and hate YouTube. Um, I love being on camera. I like being on camera and filming the video. The majority of stuff that I hate about YouTube is external stuff. No, I don't like the amount of prep work that my videos require, you know, like it's, like, I don't like finding a shed, you know, paying $1,000 for a makeshift shed, driving an, this, like, virtually an 18-wheeler truck through downtown that I shouldn't even be allowed to drive. I can't believe they gave it to me to take down to Quebec and have issues to spray it and then have it fall apart and then lift it with a forklift to get in and do this essential, virtually all by myself and then get some help, you know? in order to film a video in order for it to maybe do well, you know, hate that shit. But one of my favorite YouTubers, Mr. Beast said that when you get big enough, you can start getting people, right. Or even paying people to do the shit that you don't like. I'm trying to do that now, um, to keep my sanity basically so that the parts of YouTube that I like will be the majority, you know? So if I could just walk in, on set and just be filmed and think of the creative ideas. I love that. Mm-hmm. So I like doing the videos that I do. Um, I just hate the prep work and stuff is what it comes down to. And like, sure, some of the stuff every now and then I'll do a video. I don't like it. I wouldn't do it, but I know it gets the views, mm-hmm. you know? So, yeah. And then, so after, I think it was less than a year, you hit yeah. a million subscribers. Yeah. I think it was, uh, I don't know, eight months, nine months, something like that, yeah. What was that like when you finally saw on Social Blade when that rolled over one million? Like, how did you feel at that moment? I got a video of it, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like further down on my Instagram. Not that far, because I never post. But, uh, it was like, it was like a, um, it was a little, it was like a, how do I say it? Not quite like a, a release, but it was like, uh, like, ah, uh, like a, just like a yes, you know what I mean? Like I felt like, to me, I felt like one million like establishes credibility. You know what I mean? That I could say like, it's almost like a, I don't wanna say it's like a fuck you, but it's like a, I am a YouTuber now, you know? Like when someone asks you like, like what do you do? And it was like, you know, I'm a student and like I make YouTube videos sometimes and it was like, you know, like I felt more comfortable going to VidCon with a mill mm-hmm. because then it was like, I felt like it's like, I am one of you, you know what I mean? Um, so that's what I think. And also to be honest, I was really trying to catch my, my peers. So like our YouTube group at the time was so big. It was like <clears throat> probably 11 people mm-hmm. and I started last out of everyone. And it was like, when you're starting at zero, and all your friends have 700,000, it's like, you wanna catch up, you know what I mean? It's not like they didn't respect me or anything, uh, but it's like, you still want to be on their level, 
So I remember the first one was my one of my really close friends, DJ. I was like, he was at like four hundred thousand. I was like, I gotta get to DJ. I just I gotta get I gotta catch DJ. And just I'm competitive, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I was like, I gotta catch DJ. And then it was like, I gotta catch. I don't even know who else was next, but and and then it became a race between me, Jad, and Sean to get the mill. Me and Jad actually hit it the same night. Really? Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. I beat him. <laughs> but yeah, so. Mm. I think uh, Jab will say, I think neither us three have never worked harder in our lives than those couple weeks leading up to a mill. Jab was producing like four videos a week because he knew I was right on his ass. Like I was way behind, but like I was gaining like 10,000 a day and he was gaining like four, you know? So it was like he could, the projections, like we had extrapolated and we knew that it was going to be neck and neck. And so like, it wasn't, there was, you know, of course there's competition in it, but it wasn't like vicious competition, you know? It's like I didn't want him to succeed. The second I hit it, I'm shouting him out and vice versa, you know? So, yeah. yeah. That was a really long answer again. Sorry if these are so long. No, but, that's perfect. Um, yeah, it was, it was just like, like a credibility thing, you know? It was like, mm-hmm. like, like an accomplishment. Just, yeah, I made it, you know? I still had all the pressure of everything. None of that went away. In fact, I think more came on because then I, you have to keep it up, right? But an, an interesting thing, which um, I really hope this doesn't come across as me tooting my own horn, but I don't think any YouTuber has done this before ever, unless they are like creating a second channel like PewDiePie 2 or Jacksepticeye 2 is what he called it. Um, from zero subscribers to one million subscribers, I never had a single video ever go under my sub count. Mm-hmm. So if I had 100,000 subscribers, I got more than 100,000 views. If I got, if I had 700,000 subscribers, I got more than 700,000 views. I, oh, I, I wanted people to be, like I was always quality over quantity. I want people to be excited when I upload, you know what I mean? To be like that, like I would walk into the elbow house and they go like, what are you doing this week? Like even they were like, the fuck is Dustin gonna post this week? Mm-hmm. And I think the only person that has that right now on YouTube is Mr. Beast. Where if I get my, I don't have post notifications on for many people. You know, I think I'm for like two people. He's one of them. Because if you say Mr. Beast uploaded, my mind actually goes, what the fuck did he do? You know? And I want to know. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I don't even know what I'm talking about anymore. But, uh, yeah. So, basically, because everyone always had that, I always went over my sub count every video. And I never even realized that until I was at like 700,000. It was me and Charlie in Rito Center. We went into elevator, tying my shoes. Got a great memory. Um, and he said like, what's, he goes, what's your goal? Like, what's your goal when you post a video? Like, what are you happy with when it posts? And I said, I know this is crazy, but like, I always want to go over my sub count because that's the only way that I can ensure growth. So if you have 100,000 subs, you get 90,000 views. Technically, you might not gain any subs because those may be just yours. Mm-hmm. And I was so, I, was, I didn't care about money. I didn't care about, I didn't even really care about views. What I cared about was growth and subscribers, which doesn't really mean that much now. But like, that was just my tunnel vision focus, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's the only way that I can ensure growth was to go well beyond my sub count. Charlie looked at me like, what the fuck? Like, that's, he's like, you can't keep that up. You can't. And I didn't, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but to a mill I did. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. 
So with that in mind, like now today you're like 3.2 million yeah. around there. Yeah, I just hit that actually yeah. like yesterday. Congratulations. Thank you. How has your approach changed to both YouTube and kind of like how has life changed mm -hmm. over the course of going from 1 mil to 3.2? Uh, it's, it's become more of a production now. Not, not even a, a production in terms of like I've been to a ton of YouTuber sets and where they got 12 staff and there's lights everywhere and four cameras. It's not like that. You know, me, I got one guy on a camera. I like to interact with my cameraman. My cameraman is a huge portion, part of my videos. Mm -hmm. And that's been a state, like, since the beginning, it's always been that way. Because I just, I need to interact with someone. Um, so not a lot changed in that sense. But in terms of, like, a production, what I mean is that, like, I'm more of a business now. Being, like, um, I have a warehouse that's actually mine, you know. I'm, I try to look ahead and see video ideas that are even larger that take weeks to, to prep. Um, so I think that's changed in terms of YouTube. I look at a lot of algorithm stuff more and uh, from the business perspective, that's the difference between zero and, or whatever, it's in the beginning and three mil. Yeah. I don't film in my friend's parents' kitchen anymore. So that, that's the big thing. Um, and then in terms of you're saying life mm -hmm. or... Um, <clears throat> I'd say it's, it's not that, that different. I just think that there's, <clears throat> um, the, I'd say, you know what, I'd even say there's more stress now because you have the expectation to keep that up. Um, and I think YouTube is just headed in that direction of bigger production anyways. Um, but I would say it's a lot more just constant behind the scene work life-wise but then again there's a lot more um good things you know i'm a lot more comfortable financially now i'm able to do a ton more things uh because i'm a little uh have a little bit more fame events are a little bit more fun you know what i mean um i'm able to do things uh that i wouldn't necessarily do before that you know i like if i want to go take a trip i could do it I want to talk to someone I've always wanted to talk to just because I really like their work. Can't talk to everybody, but like they're more likely to talk back, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so I, I think things like that are a little bit better, but for the most part, like I'd say overall, like not a whole lot has changed. Because mm -hmm. I, again, I took that approach to my channel right away. Big video idea, the higher production, you know? Mm -hmm. so. Yeah. And when was the moment when you realized it was time to bring on an editor, like an assistant mm -hmm. or something like that? When did, when was that moment? Not too long ago. No? Uh, I edited everything right up until my, it was uh, right before I went through a car wash in a bubble wall. I think it was 11 months, maybe a year ago. I, I just said, I was like, the thing I hated the most about YouTube was editing. Like... I just, I hated it so much. Like, I love the creative aspect of it because I can make my video my video. You know, I know the style. I can put jokes in and everything. But now, I, it just it was so time-consuming and I didn't like using the software and stuff. Um, so, I just realized I, I, I should be paying someone to do this. And my excuse the entire time before that was you have the time, shut up and do it. You know, like, I'm a very, like, one man. Like, just Dustin, I always tell people, for the most part is just Dustin, you know? 
Um, but I think when I had the financials to do it and I realized that um, that was the side that I hated, I'm continuously trying to cut out those things that I don't like to do the things that I like more. So it was about a year ago and I've, it was a transition period for sure. You know, I had gone through a couple of editors. Um, but uh, I realized that, like I always thought people can't, it's not, you know, there's no creation there. If I'm not editing it, then I'm not the creator, you know? But that's so not the case because I give a ton of direction on camera. Like you'll see me of like, all right guys, so this, blah, blah, blah. And I'll be like, Jeremy's my editor. You know, I'll be like, Jeremy, insert clip of cutaway to this. Make this scene really badass. Put a speed ramp here. Um, cut the music and do that. Like I'll give direction on camera a lot of time. <clears throat> and I teach my editor how to be me, you know, how to think like I do um, so that the video comes out the same way I would have done it. And now, because he's so good at that, I provide less direction and I allow him to have actually a little bit of uh, creative freedom so that now like I look forward to when I get my video now, you know what I mean? Because it's like I film it, he sends me the, the finished file and like I'm watching it as a viewer now, you know what I mean? Like I don't know, like I know, okay, this happens, but I don't know that he was going to warp my face in this way and put this joke in. I like that, you know what I mean? So I think... <clears throat> It reaches the point where the um, cost benefit basically is just a big gap and you say, fuck it. Yeah. So, and then you see the positive from it, you become attached to the positive, and then you go through with that. I know a lot of people that still let their own videos. That shouldn't be. That mm -hmm. is huge. But uh, yeah, like the Ace family, I don't know for sure anymore. They, did, they edited their own stuff. Mind-blowing to me. Um, Derek Gerard still edits all his own stuff. He tried to get an editor, but he just said the videos just wasn't his style. I think that's because his editor was, wasn't where he is. So if you're a YouTuber out there and uh, you're afraid of getting an editor, I would just say spend a ton of time with your editor. Mm -hmm. You know, the very first call I ever made with Jeremy, um, I basically gave him the lowdown. I, I told him all the things that I like about certain people. And I said, try to emulate those, you know. Mm -hmm. I said, I like the badass music that TGF Pro uses. I like the voiceovers of L Mills, you know. I like the <clears throat> um, sort of meme-ness. It's not really a word, but like but yeah. esque that Mr. Beast does. I like the fast cuts of Wolfie Raps and Logan Paul. Um, you know, YouTubers that I, I envy. I like the randomness of David Dobrik. Like you can't tell what the next scene is going to be. Um, so I said, try to incorporate all these things in my video. If you are going to do a voiceover, fucking look at El Mills. Make it as good as her. You know, it's not copying someone. It's, it's looking at it and saying, okay, I want to try to match that quality. You know, so, yeah. And you mentioned how like you'll interact with your videographer and stuff as well mm -hmm. in your film, and you also like shout them out. You'll tell like, your subscribers to go subscribe to them. Yep. Why do you do that? Because I don't see that in everyone else's videos. See, that's that's fucking mind blowing to me. That not that you're saying that. Mm -hmm. That so I went to to VidCon um, my first year, <clears throat> and in LA it is man people hoard shit. Like it's just like it's a just a different culture. It's like. Generally, it's like if you're in my video, you're getting a shout out for the most part. 
Mm-hmm. It's like, because that's the way I was just, I grew up on the platform or I developed on the platform. I like my videos being like, you may increase production in terms of quality and stuff, but I don't like, I want it to still be just like, you know, the kid that picked up the camera in his kitchen. He's interacting with his friend. You know what I mean? It's, I'd be like, you know, I'd be like, you, you, do you think, like, what's, what's going to happen? Like, Jacob, like, talk to me. Like, you know what I mean? And then that, there's a sense of comedy in that. It's, I'm interacting with a friend with two idiots goofing off. You know what I mean? And I like that. And I think my viewers like that. And because it was that way when it started, for the most part, well, it always was, <clears throat> I'm goofing off with Charlie. And I'm actually saying to him, like, I don't know what, if this is going to fucking blow up. Like, we just mixed two chemicals. Like, I don't, we don't know what these do, you know? <clears throat> um, and <clears throat> because Charlie's a YouTuber and he's helping me and I'm not paying him, I'm going to shout him out. And then in his video, because right when I'm done mine, we're going to film his, you know, or vice, always vice versa, actually. Um, he's going to do the same for me. It's a friendly exchange, one person helping the other. And so shout outs were never that big of a deal. It was just like, you're helping me, I'll shout you out and vice versa. And when I went to LA, <clears throat> actually first I went to New York to an NBA live event. Yeah. And I remember I shouted out, it was a vlog on my smaller channel, more Dustin. I shouted out Sean Duras, amazing, great guy, space station, just, I, I can't say enough about those guys. but. I shouted him out in my vlog. He was bigger than me. <clears throat> and he played it off real well, this and that. Second I turned off that camera, he's like, thanks, man. Like, so much. He's like, yeah, like, no, that was really like, appreciated. And like, he made, like, not a big deal about it, but, like, he was just, like, very sincerely, like, you didn't have to do that, man. And I was like, okay. <laughs> like, I just didn't even think it was a big deal. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And then I went to L.A. and then I heard, like, about how, like, shout outs will work with like i don't want to say names but like other people you know what i mean that and it was like a big fucking deal it was like nah like you're not getting like it's like they say like they don't give out free clout tokens you know and it was just like such a different like shout outs are just a bigger deal and it means more to people there because it, it just people aren't in a very helping mindset you know what i mean and it was just mind-blowing to see that that was all in like I mean, they always say the key to success is add more value, right, than the other person's giving you. And I, I find you shout out people first, then they're more likely to shout you out back. You know what I mean? Like, say, I don't know, the most recent one would probably be like the Funk Bros. I took an idea from the Funk Bros. I didn't even take it. Well, I did take it from them. Okay, no, I, I did take the video idea from them. They put stuff in the back of the moving truck and, you know, drive around, go crazy. They never did slime, so I, I did that and I shouted them out. I gave them a heavy shout out too. And they loved it. And they shouted me out in their video and stuff then. It, it was great. It worked out, you know? But like, yeah, it's just because I don't really care about them. And I think you should be, you know? Unless you have a different dynamic relationship. If it's like, okay, you're employing a cameraman. Well, like, yeah, you don't need to shout them out because they're not there for that purpose. You know what I mean? But I still probably do. Like, I shout out my cameraman and I pay him. You know what I mean? So, yeah. So kind of another thing there when you're talking about how like in LA it's completely different. Yeah. Are there some other things you've noticed? Just discrepancies between being a Canadian YouTuber versus someone from the US that's a YouTuber, maybe in LA or New York or something like that? Yeah. Um, I, I would say that 
we're just, I can't even, I don't, I can't, like, I don't want to always be like the typical, like, you know, everyone in LA is a snake and this and that. Cause it's like, well, I know to a degree, but I also don't know. And I feel like they're just more like individual mm -hmm. reserved. You know what I mean? Like, <clears throat> I think the reason why LA is like that is because nobody in LA is from LA for the most part. If you're a big entertainer in LA, you probably come from someone else, meaning you come with an agenda and you're trying to push that agenda forward. And if someone can't help you on the agenda, then they don't mean anything to you, right? And because everyone's like that, everyone's a snake. Um, team 10, Jake Paul, was an interview or something. I don't know what he said, or I don't know which one it was, but he said that that's something he hated in LA. And that's why he created Team 10. Is that if you're bigger, you won't shout out the smaller. Oh, I'm not going to clout the guy. He only has 700K. Fuck him. You know what I mean? What can you do for me? And then the guy with uh, 2 mil that's approaching the guy with 4 mil will say the same thing. So nobody helps each other. You know what I mean? Unless you're right on the same page. He didn't like that. So he created Team 10. Where he can then bring up lower people. Um, so I think Jake gets it. But... Uh, yeah, they're just, they're just more individual. Mm -hmm. I honestly, I would say it's like that in America in general, from what I've seen is people are just more individuals. Mm -hmm. They're just, they don't, ha it's not, again, cause I've seen so many people that aren't like that. I feel like they're forced into that, but people are just more individual. They're more business minded. They're more self-driven. Um, I don't like it personally. Um, and the thing I like, I hate the most about it is the fact that people will then project that on me. You know what I mean? I'll go to a VidCon event. It's always, I reference VidCon too much. Or I'll, okay, I'll be visiting Charlie in West Hollywood. We'll go to a party and I'll meet some guys. And it's like, I could see that there's a shield. I, you, you can just, you can fucking see it. You know what I mean? There's a shield up of like, what do you want from me? And like, I've talked to guys, I've been in houses and YouTube houses and stuff. It's like, where people talk to me like that. And it's like, cause they maybe don't know who I am or whatever. And it's like, I can just see the fucking shield up, you know? And it's like, I talk to them on an individual level or whatever. And it's like, that shield is so fucking strong. And then they find out from one of their peers that I'm way bigger than they are. All of a sudden shields down, they're a different person. You know, I just wish that I had an icon on my head that said like, I'm not in Slytherin, you know what I mean? <laughs> like I wish I could talk to Logan Paul and that he could see that like, I just, I don't, I don't want anything from you, you know what I mean? Like I, what I want from you is the interaction of a person that I think is driven and similar to me and we can exchange and, and maybe have a relationship on that level, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? Just commonalities or whatever. But it's like, I don't, give, I don't want him to shout me out, I don't give a shit. You know what I mean? Sure, it would help me, obviously. So, yeah, I would want it. But, like, I'm not, I don't desire it. Like, I'm not willing to change things for it, you know? So, mm. I just, yeah, I, I don't like that. That dynamic gets broadcasted on everyone when not everyone's like that. Joey Kidney's a great example. Mm -hmm. I thought Joey Kidney had 70K. I didn't even, I didn't even know he had 700K or whatever he's at. Literally, I, I remember specifically because you do do that, being honest. Like you do, when you speak to someone, you are curious of how big they are, you know? Mm -hmm. 
And when I talked to Joey and I met him first time, I just thought, he, I, you know, I liked some of the stuff he's doing. I loved that he was from Ottawa. I thought he was a cool kid um, and he was really nice and stuff. And so whenever I saw Joey at events and stuff, I was like, hey, like this is my opportunity to see Joey. Like I very rarely see him. I like him, you know. Um, and I always thought he was at 70K. That was just my number that I put on him. And then I checked back a couple months ago and I was like, the fuck? Like, Joey's at 700K? Like, and I was just like, but he, he was at, at that the whole time. You know, so anyways, yeah. I just, I'm not a snake. That's what it comes down to. You mentioned Logan Paul and how yeah. you guys are similar. And that's something yeah. that I saw because I was really doing some prep work yesterday, watching a bunch of your videos and stuff. Yeah. And that was kind of like a comparison I made. Yeah. I feel like on camera, you're both very, very high energy. <clears throat> yeah. But off camera, you guys are smart and calculated. Yeah. So with that in mind, where does it come into when you're going to film a video? I don't know if character is the right word or kind of yeah. building up that energy. How do you do that right before the camera comes on? Red Bull. <laughs> yeah I do drink I sit, I don't drink Red Bull casually I don't I don't it's not good for you it's not um, but generally before I film a video I drink a Red Bull it's mostly because we film at night um, but this is what I'll say about this like when people say are you fake is what it comes down to like mm -hmm. right is in no way whatsoever am I fake what I say is be the best version of yourself on camera if you're a channel that you like to, if you're not, if you're feeling down, whatever, and you, you have that type of relationship with your audience, then go ahead. There's nothing wrong with that. If you're a daily vlogger or if that's just what your channel's about, then that's maybe your thing. And, and I even actually like that. Um, but my videos aren't like that. My, when you turn on my video, like we always joke and say there's kids in Texas just, ah, you know, getting riled up. Like Logan Paul, which he roasted me, by the way, on Did Impossible. He? Oh, he ripped me apart. He, he hates me, 100%. And that's a thing I hate because there's assumptions there. I think Logan Paul would actually really get along with me. Mm -hmm. And I've had no guys that know him that, said this, that say the same. We'll talk about that after. <laughs> but, uh, um, yeah, so I want my videos, again, to be exciting. You know what I mean? To be high energy. If I'm covering a car in, in Line X, in the middle of wherever I'm blowing it up. Like, that's not a not high energy thing, you know what I mean? I want people to be, I wanna be the, the excitement in their day if they're gonna watch me, you know what I mean? I always start my videos with, the sound's called Inception Horn. The, like, it, Logan Paul played it on his podcast, that's why I said it. And George Jenkins and I stopped and they go, whoa, what was that sound? That sounds like we were going to war. Yeah, it does, you know? And so, anyways, like I say, if be the best version of yourself on camera, because that's what my videos are about. You know what I mean? And so that's why I'm so high energy, because that's the best version of myself for that area. It, when I was in football practice and I was in a good mood and I was having fun or running bonsai or whatever period, it's fast paced and there's music playing and you're going off. I'm, I'm, I was a safety. So like I communicate all the calls like, I'm literally screaming, we're jumping around, we're doing stupid, like we're high end, I'm like that. You know what I mean? In my football helmet on the field. And so I'll bring that into my videos. You can't walk around like that. And another thing is that it's like, there's edits in the video. Like if you've ever seen Logan Paul, when his video is not edited, it's so different. Because there's, there's you can see the stuff that they cut out you know what I mean? Nobody walks around 
Suey and I'm all jumping around. Like I, my feet hardly touch the ground, <laughs> you know? So yeah, be the best version of yourself on camera. And that is the best version of myself in an excited um, manner. That's all. So it's not fake. It's just accentuated. You know, it's like I'm highlighting um, what I can, what I am in my most excited moment. I've just learned to be able to tap into that sort of on command. You know, maybe that is fake. If you want to call it fake, sure. Um, but okay, it would be like, this is what I reference it to. If you're making a sad video, right? And at the time when you think of the video idea, you're sad. So you create this video idea and then you film it the next day, but you're not sad the next day. You gotta be sad on camera because it's sad. That's what you're trying to portray to your audience, right? And you want that video to be about sadness. And so you rethink of that thing that made you sad. And so you start to become in that down mood and then you put on the camera and you talk. Are you being fake? It's like, no, because, well, that's actually an emotion that you feel from that, right? But you brought it on intentionally. So there's an element of that that's fake. Do you know what I mean? So that's the way I would kind of flip and describe it to people is that I put myself in a good mood, in a good mental state, um, a high energy mental state before you hit the camera and, you know, it's go time. So, yeah. Sometimes right afterwards, I'm second the video ends, I'm a completely different person. Um, but yeah, I, I want to talk about that a little longer because I know that's a thing with people, especially when they see mm -hmm. my videos. I get compared to Logan Paul shit ton, just a ridiculous amount. So, yeah. But I'm hoping like with this podcast, like I'm not going to say it's going to tell everyone, but yeah. hopefully like people will kind of understand that, like you're not like that in every single, oh, like no. in real life. No, 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 absolutely not. Like there's, again, it depends on what relationship I have and what setting it is. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like I have friends that are my lab partners in university that think I'm a super, you know, intellectual, um, smart person, you know, or whatever. Some people think I'm extremely reserved. You know, well, I, I had an article written on me actually. And they said he is an extremely reserved and secretive individual. That was the phrase. Because I, no one really knows anything about my personal life ever. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's people that think I'm a nutcase because they only see that with me. Right. So it's like, if you're around me for long enough, then you'll, get to see all that because nobody, maybe some people do, but most people don't walk through life in a monotone manner. There's ups and there's downs, right? So I think that if you're only around for the ups, you're going to only view the person in that manner and vice versa. So yeah. Yeah. This podcast might be that. I hope so. Yeah, this is my podcast self. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. But I feel like drawing that Logan Paul comparison again, yeah. where a lot of people start to realize that he wasn't this crazy person was one on his own podcast. Mm -hmm. I kind of double back to, you said he talked about you on his podcast. Yeah, he did. Um, says it wasn't planned. I say it's planned. Uh, he basically, so again, fuck. <laughs> so anyways, I'm a big Logan Paul fan. Mm -hmm. There was there. I think that I've said in so many videos, even before he's ripped me, like we're playing YouTuber guess who and stuff and they say who's your favorite YouTuber and I show who my favorite YouTubers are and Logan Paul's always one of them. Um, I just like, I can see through 
I think a little, I do think that there are a lot of negatives about him that I, I don't agree with, but I can see through the on-camera-ness because I'm similar. Um, I think at least that I get his vision, you know, and that we're similar when it comes to work ethic and mindset on certain things. And I like that. Like I do see, even off camera, I see a lot of similarities between us. And obviously if someone's a little bit similar to you, you're gonna be a little bit more drawn to them, right? So I was like that with Logan Paul. Anyways, I'm watching Impulsive and uh, it was The Boys Are Back Together, I think it was called. Okay. Maybe, something like that. And it was him, uh, um, George Janko, um, gosh, I don't wanna mess up his name, Giannis, Jan. Oh God. Anyways, he's the bald guy. He's cool fitness guy. He's dating Amanda Cerny. I've seen some of his videos. Um, and um, Mark Donor. And uh, anyways, they're going throughout the podcast. And then out of nowhere, you just hear my intro playing the Inception horn. Like, it's like, whoa. And he says, well, sounds like uh, we're going to war. And he's like, sorry, I just, I was just scrolling across YouTube. And I came across this guy. Have you, ever, have you ever seen this guy and he opens it up and first of all my uh camera went into it a little bit there's two fucking windows open <laughs> this was planned and I'll, I'll say this why i think that at least so he basically he won't he doesn't say my name he says this guy because again he doesn't give out free cloud tokens i get it and scrolling across my page i said do you know this guy and, and they say no is that roman atwood whatever and they don't they've never seen me they don't know and he goes, he just makes the same face in every thumbnail. And then he just wrote, everyone always says that, it's fine, you know. He, he wrote that I make the same face in every thumbnail. But the way he's doing it as well, like he's kind of like, I feel like he's kind of pushing a little bit of an agenda of like, fuck this guy, basically, you know what I mean? I'm waiting for the, the friends to say something negative, but they're not, you know what I mean? Like, oh, he gets the views though, bro. He gets the views, like, yeah, no, damn, like, they're, you could tell they're a little bit hesitant to be like, yo, why, why are you bringing this up, you know? And then uh, I, f I forgot what he said, but long story short, he rips me a little bit. And then they scroll across and obviously my channel was fucking booming. I was getting like four mil of it. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, Logan Paul reaches from under the table and grabs a sledgehammer and just boom, just smokes the TV with, my, with a sledgehammer. And I don't give a fuck what anyone says. That's planned. You don't just have a sledgehammer under your thing and every single one of my thumbnails and videos emphasizes a sledgehammer. It's just, it's, it's me, you know? Smokes the TV with the sledgehammer and then keeps smoking the TV a couple times and hits his down play button, like gets it, whatever. And then uh, what happened after that? They basically just roasted me a little mm -hmm. bit, you know, uh, broke his TV and then everyone was all flustered on set and then they ended up moving on. Uh, and to respond to that, because obviously I got tagged like crazy, you know, I was just like, fuck. <laughs> like, yeah. like I, I was a little bit like, yeah, you know, because I actually wanted to be a guest on Impulsive. Like that was like one of like my acts, like in, in a joke video, I, I put 2019 goals be on impulsive and put a check mark. And that was actually a little bit of like a, like a, not a direct goal. Like I, I was striving for that specifically, mm -hmm. but that would be one of those like, um, again, like I say, like personal 
credibility establishment things where it's like, yeah, I fucking did that. You know what I mean? I got recognized by someone that I, I like or whatever. Um, so I did, but in the bad way. And so I made a response video to it. Uh, I didn't want to make a video cause that's not what I'm about. And I just, I'm not gonna fucking, I'm not trying to be an opportunist, but I thought I should respond to that, you know? And so in my video, um, there was an Amazon weapons video. Uh, I originally put it in the hundred layers of every glue wall video, but that week his dog died, Kong the Savage died. And that was a big deal. And I didn't want to make a video taking the heavy shot back at Logan Paul when his dog died and the whole internet's feeling bad for him. And I kind of felt bad for him too. So I put that section in another video, but I did a whole skit where like, cause he says, oh, he's wearing the same clothes too. And I basically like, you know, I'm reacting to it with a big, on a big screen TV in the gym, watching it, just casually watching Impulsive. And then I, um, I go to my closet because I'm like, oh, like they say you got to change the thumbnail face, man. Like, and I'm taking my thumbnail in the video and I'm trying different faces and smiling. Like, no, 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 just, just do the other one. Just, just, uh, you know, the one you usually do. And then I said, oh, I don't want to do that anymore. And we made a joke about it and I thought it was funny. And I call people and then I go to my closet to pick a different outfit. And it's just like 50 black t-shirts, 50 black hats. And, uh, to, you know, appease Mark Doma. And then I see him smoke the TV. I get mad. And I smoke a giant TV with a sledgehammer with Logan Paul's and Paul's playing on to basically take a little bit of a shot back. You know, I just fucked up this TV. And then I tell Logan, I'm like, all jokes aside, I'm a huge fan of Impulsive, the number one podcast in the entire world, because that's what he always says, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, I said, I trust you're a good guy, but let's talk about it. And then I smash a plate like he always does. I've smashed a couple plates in my videos just to um, basically tip my hat to Logan. Uh, and I thought that maybe, like, I did it in a comedic way that was light. I didn't say fuck him. I didn't do any of that stuff, you know, because, again, I don't really care that he roasted me. You know what I mean? I probably roast me too. Um, but he never responded. You know what I mean? And I, I, I do think because I didn't make a dedicated video about it, there's a good chance he didn't see it. So I tweeted at him and said the IG story and everything, but then he didn't ever respond to anything. And that video got like 2 million views. You know, and then uh, I'm not very, I wasn't verified on Twitter and stuff. So I don't know if he saw it for sure, but um, if he did see it, I'm surprised that he didn't like laugh at it or DM me or something. You know what I mean? So yeah, I, uh, I tried to get in the um, challenger games, mm -hmm. which that was mind blowing. That's, that actually pissed me off to be honest that I didn't get into that. Mm -hmm. It was 104 creators and. I think Destroying would have beat me. Uh, I was actually, I was on his relay team, uh, but then they ended up making it, we put it together, a super relay team that would just absolutely destroy everyone. Like it, would, it wouldn't even be close. Uh, and then they ended up making the relay team co-ed, so then we just said we're not gonna do it anymore. But I didn't get into the Challenger games and I was like, fuck, like how am I not a top 104 creator eligible? Because there's not even, like I would, like I ran a four four eight, like they'd get smoked. It's not even a question. And the other events, it would, like it wouldn't even be close. King, I, I again, I think destroying would beat me, 
but it, I would be a hell of a lot closer than everyone else. And I'm an actual YouTuber, right? He's an actual YouTuber too, but I'm just saying that's the claim that they make. Mm -hmm. So again, ranting about that a little bit, but that's me and Logan Paul's relationship if he even knows that that happens. So yeah. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. Is there anyone else you want to collab with? Like is Mr. Beast someone you're like, that's someone I would like to collab with? I get a lot of Mr. Beast references too. Mm -hmm. The Mr. Beast references, I actually, that one I have a love-hate relationship with because I love Mr. Beast. Like, I think that he is pushing YouTube forward in uh, a positive direction. And I think that he's just a super smart, awesome individual. Like, he's like, I just think he's, he's a really good, smart person, basically. And I'm, I'm happy that he is on top of the platform. I think that he's a good person to have in that spot. And he's constantly, put, like, just his creative process is awesome. Um, I would, I don't like when people compare me to him. If they compare me in a negative manner. And what I mean by that is, like, they'll say, like, oh, this guy's the uh, knockoff Mr. Beast, or he's the dollar store Mr. Beast, or whatever. And that kind of pisses me off only because I've been doing videos like this before I even knew who Mr. Beast was, before I think Mr. Beast was even like doing anything, mm -hmm. you know? Like I think when I first noticed Mr. Beast when he counted to 100,000, I think it was. And then I noticed him again when he said Logan Paul 100,000 times. And long before that, I was making crazy fucking videos, you know? And so people think that, well, I saw Mr. Beast make these crazy videos. And so I did the same and I'm just copying him. But it's not the case at all. Sure, I, I think if I emulate anyone, video content-wise, I guess it would be Mr. Beast. Um, so we are vastly similar in those ways. But I think that's just because I'm constantly trying to push the needle. And I think he is as well. Mm -hmm. And so that's where I think our overlap comes. Uh, I talked to him on DMs. Again, add value. You shout out someone before they shout out you. And I, I didn't even want to shout out for him. I didn't get it, so it's all right. Um, but I did a video that I did was similar to what he had released before. Uh, it, was, it was a gun video, uh, shooting Linux with a gun. I had that video idea long before, you know, on my list. Um, but I, I thought, I was like, you know what, let me, like, I, I really like this guy. Let me reach out to him and give him a shout out, you know, because people are going to think, one, that I took this idea from him. And two, I just think that he helps so many people and shouts out everyone. Why not? you know, throw some karma his way, you know, mm -hmm. the guy deserves it. So I shouted him out and literally within probably 45 minutes of me posting the video, I got a DM on Twitter from Mr. Beast and he followed me way smaller on Twitter then. And uh, super just like, hey man, I think it was like, appreciate the kind words that your videos, like uh, we're dealing with a hurricane Florence in South Carolina. Um, but like, I'll keep you in mind if we can ever do a video together or something. Let me like, I'll, I'll hit you up basically. That's fucking awesome. You know what I mean? So then I, uh, I just responded saying, yeah, you know, sorry to hear that. Like I have a ton of ideas me and him could do like they're extreme. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, said, let me know if you need doing any relief work. Cause I knew that there was, um, there would probably be, uh, like he maybe 
do some video that would be based around that or even if it wasn't a video and he was just gonna help out i thought that'd be you know a good just a good thing to do you know i said you know like i'd fly out and help and i did mean that and he said okay like i'll let you know and then we haven't talked since i tried to get into his uh his um the circle mm-hmm. one um but I mean, his inbox is probably flooded with guys for that. So mm-hmm. didn't expect to get anything to respond to that. But uh, yeah, he would be my number one collab, I think. If I can collab with anybody out there, probably it would be Mr. Beast. Um, I just got hit up by uh, like a Dream Projects uh, brand that basically told me, um, like I have a manager now, and he told me, like think big for this idea because like, they're going to put massive budget behind it. And uh, I, I said an idea, kind of some stuff I had in the list, like, well, you can just pay for that. Like, fuck that. And I was like, okay, you really want me to be anything? Okay, fuck. All right, here. So my number one idea that I pitched them was a, a Mr. Beast video. And I don't even want to say what it is, but I'd be potentially in it at least giving Mr. Beast $100,000. So that, that's my number one. Like, if you could tell me I can make a video with anybody for anything, that video would involve me giving Mr. Beast $100,000. So I think he deserves it. Mm-hmm. hope that video happens one day. Um, and I, I think I'd just like to know him, yeah. you know, as an actual person. So, mm-hmm. yeah. You mentioned a couple of times there, like, your ideas, and you have, like, a list of ideas. Mm-hmm. So can you kind of walk me through your process from where the idea comes from to filming the video to making the thumbnail, like, mm-hmm. everything till you post it? Yeah, there's uh, from like incep- video idea inception to mm-hmm. um, posting is, um, I mean, I'm always thinking, I'm just like, it's, it's probably been obviously so stress for me, not overall, but you know, it's like you can't turn off the beast. I'm always thinking, you know, um, I swear even when I sleep, I think. So I'm always generating ideas. I'm walking through Walmart. I'm looking at things sometimes and anything that I find interesting. If I'm watching something on Discovery Channel, if I think it's cool that, hey, that machine looks really weird. What the hell does that do? You know, I'm thinking of video ideas. Oh, that'd be cool. I could do a video with that. So I'm always thinking. My notepad is my best friend on the iPhone, you know? So I'm always thinking of video ideas. Once the video idea is thought of, it's, I've not just now had like, started doing actual sit down dedicated video idea thinking times so like i'll sit down there and i would just try to do nothing except maybe you know i may try meditating or something like that ahead of time to get myself in the right state but uh i'll do you know for an hour generate ideas or three hours or whatever it is but once the idea is set immediately as soon as i think of the idea i try to think of a thumbnail and title and then Right after that, before I even write it down half the time, I think, can I make a thumbnail and title out of it? Can I make that 20 minutes? And can't, how the fuck am I going to do it? You know? Um, then I think in my head, the immediate, how would I do it? And if it's even remotely feasible, sometimes I'll write little notes on how to do it. If it's remotely feasible, then I start doing research. It's not always immediately because sometimes I'm driving in the car you know, sometimes I literally, I'm trying to sleep for an hour. I can't sleep, wake up, 
write something down on my phone, go back to bed. Then I'll do research on it and think, you know, is this possible? How am I going to do this? When can I do it, et cetera? And then I'll start buying the supplies for it. Um, and then once I have the supplies, then it's go time. Then I film and prep and then, yeah. So maybe that's not an exact clear process of the creation, but basically always be thinking. I always think of video ideas once I have it. I think of everything pretty much on the spot if it's possible. Um, there's probably about, I'd say 30 hours, 20, 20 to 30 hours of off camera prepping and probably about three to four hours of on camera filming. And then I send it to an editor and thumbnail probably takes about two hours. And yeah, that's generally it. And one thing that Rob told me, Rob Greeley, shout out to him for setting this up yeah. too. Uh, shout out to you, Rob. Uh, he told me you're big into analytics. Yeah. Why is that? Because I think it, um, uh, it's, it's the engine, right? It's like talking to YouTube. Yeah, if Susan Wojcicki wants to make your video pop, she'll make it pop. But not everyone gets to talk to Susan. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, so I think that a lot of people, like it's just, you're talk, you're, it's a machine, but it's YouTube. It, if you, most people, if you look in your YouTube studio beta, probably 70, 80% of your views are coming from YouTube recommending your content to someone. And if that's the case, then 80% of your channel is in the hands of YouTube. doesn't matter, like your subscribers, yeah, unless they're fucking diehard David Dobrik fans, you know, like, and you're David Dobrik. Um, someone else is deciding your fate, you know? And if you're not at least trying to be optimal in that area, then you're just falling behind. Because it's like, when you open YouTube, the homepage is the first thing that comes to you. It's not the subscriptions feed. And even on the subscription feeds, there's tons of other people, right? So I think that you want to be successful and you're not, and you, even if you don't like that area, you still have to pay attention to it because it, I don't want to say it decides your fate because it doesn't entirely because most of the things you're going to be doing anyways. Um, but I think it's one of the biggest opportunities that a YouTuber can do to be successful um, is to know analytics. And the thing is, I think of, that a big misconception about that is, is that, oh, I know a lot about analytics. I'm gaming the system. No, I, first of all, you can't game the system. You can't there, like, there's no, sorry to tell you if you're listening, you know, like there's no secret sauce. There isn't, I mean, I, or at least I don't fucking know it, you know? Yeah. So there, it's not like you put in a certain tags and this and that and put in your description and share it in this playlist and whatever, and you're going to get a million views. I can, I can make it happen, man. No, it's not like that. The majority of what analytics are, are just telling you what to change in your content. It's not, first of all, tags don't mean shit for the most part, all right? Mm -hmm. Like, what it's doing is just telling you where to guide your focus to improve your content. That's what it's doing. So it's not like you can, yeah, sure, to a degree, you cannot change your content and see some different levels of success with just changing your, your, your like, metadata and stuff. But for the vast majority of it, it's just basically showing you empirically how to change your content or what to focus on in your content to then um, get more views. 
an example I'm going to get, a couple examples I'll give maybe if just rambling. Okay, your click-through rate's bad. Okay, so if your click-through, first of all, click-through rate and average view duration, you fix those, I'll take care of 90% of everything, right? Your click-through rate's bad. Okay, that means that your thumbnails or your topic selection isn't good. It's just not. My wall videos, amazing click-through rate, amazing average view duration. Why? Because people love those. So it tells me, make more of those. Focus on this content more. Okay, I hold, when I hold a weapon in the thumbnail, I usually have a higher click-through rate. So maybe I should hold more weapons, right? I look at my average view duration, the graph shows, well, there's a huge dip right here. Why is there a dip right there? Okay, well, I talked for three minutes without doing any action. I got to stop talking for three minutes without doing any action. You know, um, I did a brand deal in that portion and nobody gave a shit. That's why it was lost there. Okay, your videos, I bet 90% of YouTube channels will show this. As soon as the big climax of your video happens and you do your two minute outro and the video goes down like that, cut your fucking outro, man. People are leaving. You're talking to 10% of the audience for those last two minutes. Be short at your, at your end. My outros are t under 20 seconds. That's my rule. Under 20 seconds. Why? Because I can put end screens as soon as the outro hits. If my goal was to break the unbreakable box, as soon as it breaks, within 20, 25 seconds, my video is ending. Because I know people are now clicking off and I want those end screens to come up in their face so that they click on another video. Right? That was all driven by analytics. And that's me changing my content, not me putting in some special tags that are going to make me blow up. You know, it's learning what the AI, how the AI looks at your content and looks at your viewer behavior. At the end of the day as well, it's not even necessarily the algorithm that you're changing your content for. It's for your audience. That I think is a big misconception. You're changing the content for your audience and the algorithm and the analytics that it shows you is just showing you empirical data to support that your audience doesn't like your long ass outros 90 percent of them doesn't like your long ass outros the analytics are telling you that change that your audience likes it more and then when your audience likes it more you snowball in the channel momentum positive direction you know and i think it just that's the approach at least i take on it because Maybe I don't know it from the direction where I could just type in a keyboard and make the video better. It's content strategy that you develop through analytics, not some secret society where they know numbers and make their videos pop. It's content strategy is what it comes down to. So, yeah. One thing I was going to ask is your videos are pretty long, almost yep. 20 minutes. Yeah. I hear, hear people saying that like people have low attention spans now. Mm -hmm. They're not watching long videos, but all your videos are long. So yeah. I'm assuming your dad is pointing towards that people are willing to watch for that long. Yep. So again, when you look at data, you have to be a critical thinker, right? Mm -hmm. and what you did there is you just critically thought you put two and two together and you can figure out that my data told me that, you know? So, um, yes. So my videos have gotten longer because the algorithm likes longer videos from what I've seen at least. It likes longer videos overall generally, I think. I think there's a sweet spot for it. Um, because you could be considered an exit video, which is another story, but um, it's relative, I believe at least, it's relative to your channel. Mm -hmm. David Dobrik makes four minute and 20 second videos. He bangs views. 
but my watch time on average probably triple his videos, even if he gets a hundred percent retention, you know, I'll, I'll probably get 11, 12 minutes of average view duration on a single video, which will smack 99% of YouTube. Um, and I know this, I know that that helps me the long, like what, what's YouTube, fuck the algorithm. What, what's YouTube's goal? YouTube's goal. Well, I mean, I guess you don't want to answer. So YouTube's goal is to keep you on the platform as long as humanly possible, right? They want you to come to YouTube often and stay there as long as humanly possible so they can serve more ads. That's probably it, you know? So if you want to be in line with YouTube's goal, which they're going to base their algorithm to, then you've got to make longer content, you know? Ten, if I can keep a user on a platform for 10 minutes per session, you can keep them on for six they're gonna serve my video because I'm gonna keep them there longer. You know what I mean? Um, but that all depends on category and all this stuff. But the danger of that is I think at least, and I'm working this out right now at least, I'm trying to figure it out, is that you're compared to yourself when it comes to recommended. So if you typically make 10 minute videos and all of a sudden you jump to 16 minute videos consistently, you're gonna get a spike. If you are at least, if you're able to maintain the audience, mm -hmm. right? Percent watch time, I don't think really matters that much. But like, if you improve your average video duration for, to eight minutes from six minutes, you're gonna see a huge spike in your channel. You're gonna have instant growth. It'll be great. But the danger of that is you need to now keep that up. And I'm in that case scenario. I used to make 10 minute videos, now I make 20. Huge surge in my channel, YouTube's moving in that direction. Everyone's making longer videos now. Um, but when you post, they'll tell you how that video ranks in your last 10 videos. And if it's, maybe you got nine minutes average view duration, which is amazing compared to a normal channel, but it's not amazing compared to your channel. So it says it's not doing that well, doesn't get recommended, goes down. And that's, I think another reason why you see ebbs and flows in channels is because you can't keep one up upping yourself. You have to eventually bring the bar down to jump over it again. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. I want to talk about revenue streams, yeah. not necessarily specific numbers, yeah. but just all the ways. Because I've heard you shouldn't be making money from just one way. So yeah. from what I've seen, you got sponsorships, merch, yeah. AdSense. Is there anything else you're kind of doing right now to bring in revenue? I, th I think that's it. Mm -hmm. I feel like there's random, like, you know, event appearances or I'll do a commercial or something every now and then. But like for the most part, that's it. Um, yeah, that's about it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it just, it depends on what type of, um, what type of channels you are. You know what I mean? Like I've, I've had offers to do a book, like I, I'm just not going to do a book right now. You know what I mean? Um, I think that a lot of the time it's like, if a revenue source doesn't fit, like don't try to make it fit. You know, if it's like the jack of all trades is the master of none. You don't try to, like, yeah, I'm not saying everyone should stay in their lane. Absolutely not. In fact, mm. you shouldn't. But if you're going to spread yourself thin, I think, with focusing so much on, like, re different revenue sources instead of capitalizing on one heavy, um, that's what I've at least found optimal to me, is double down in the areas you know you're good at um, and you'll have better financial success. You know what I mean? Yeah. And the thing is, a lot of things too is like, I mean, fucking, let's be real. Views make the world go round. You know what I mean? It's like, 
oh, I'm going to focus on working with brands to, and Patreon and all these things to make your Patreons different. Like, I'm going to really focus on brands uh, to help pay the bills. But the second those views go down, those brands are going to pay less. They're going to stop knocking as often. When your channel goes up and you get the most views and stuff, those brands are going to be banging on your door. They're going to be throwing amazing rates at you, et cetera, et cetera, right? So I think don't lose focus on what made these opportunities come, keep that flowing, you know, and then those other revenue, the small, the more, um, those three revenue streams, basically, you won't need to do the other shit. Like Logan Paul, his AdSense and his fucking merch are so goddamn good that he doesn't even look at a brand deal. You think pff, brands are dying to be in Logan Paul's pocket, but he says he doesn't do them because he doesn't need to, mm -hmm. right? So, so with that kind of thought process in mind of like doubling down your strengths and yeah. really going all in, is that kind of your approach to the different social channels as well? Because like you're pretty much all in on YouTube. Yeah. You stop doing your second and third channels. Yeah. You post sporadically on Instagram, Twitter, nothing on Facebook. Yeah. Is that just because you know YouTube is like your bread and butter, so you just go all in there and the other stuff just kind of secondary? Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Um, I've I've learned that there are definite. Uh, that I don't think that's for everyone. Mm -hmm. uh, and I don't even think that that's optimal for me necessarily. It's been optimal given my situations uh, and the difficulties and just Dustin being just Dustin. Uh, like for example, I, I have lit, I've done photo shoots. I literally have like 10 Instagram posts ready to go. I don't post it because I don't think about it. I don't view it as the the immediacy of it. I post stories all the time because they're fun. You know what I mean? But I don't know why. I just don't, I don't think to post on Instagram. Like if I wanted my Instagram to be bigger, I'll make it bigger. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I'll post more. I'll drive traffic from my YouTube. I'll do a giveaway maybe and I'll pump the shit out of my Instagram. And I plan on doing that. But it's like, yeah, I, I doubled down on what works, on what I know that is the, the bread and butter of everything. Um, and everything else has been able to grow to the extent that it has as a trickle down effect from it, mm -hmm. you know? I would much rather be big on YouTube than Twitter. Yeah, I love Twitter, but um, t Twitter's not as important as YouTube, mm -hmm. to me at least. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and what uh, the second channel and stuff, um, you know, even just us in games, I don't know if you know that existed, yeah, you know? Yeah, I do. Okay, um, <laughs> it's like, yeah, it, it took away from my main channel, mm -hmm. so I stopped. Um, I basically secured what's, what's the bread and butter before I trickle down. Mm -hmm. um, I have other channels now that I'm going to launch, not even more dust and other stuff. Um, maybe even a podcast. Um, once I'm able to fully secure this, when I can get ahead a couple videos, when I hire some help, that can help run those things better, mm -hmm. um, then I'm going to do that. And yeah. I'm very, very close to releasing those. I've shot some videos for them already. So it's awesome. Yeah. I've learned that's one thing I, I think I've learned that's massive. Um, from visiting on the YouTubers, my first VidCon, I went and uh, met Guava Juice and Marlon Chan and, uh, Roy, um, when I say Guava Juice, uh, I couldn't believe it, man. They had a separate house for filming and it was quiet on set, airplane mode, take three, go. And it was like, what the fuck is this? 
like I'm sitting here with my G7X, they're going like, what? You're Sean, can we film on Friday? Like, and he's like, you know, all these staff, like, it was, it was a full out movie production. I couldn't even fucking believe it. And it's like, um, he's able to have multiple channels and et cetera and be successful because of that. And so, you know, uh, people like, I heard Team Edge has got some crazy team and the Hacksmith and all these people that have visited and seen their productions. I've been able to look at that, critically think, hey, this is unnecessary, this works, this doesn't. And I'm trying to now, you know, you can see bits on the space, um, start to enter that side of, of YouTube. Mm -hmm. And that will allow me to then be more successful in areas like Instagram and that, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So, yeah. We've got a couple wrap up questions, but before yeah. that. I, I was going to say, uh, see, I get, um, ah, like, I, I don't know. I, I, I go off on tangents a lot yeah. about things. And I, I know kind of podcasts are that, but no, that's perfect. I, uh, everything, I, I didn't, it's okay that it went that way. I was kind of wondering where it went, but mm -hmm. uh, I feel like now I'm viewing this like hardcore analytic. YouTube's the only thing that matters type guy, you know? Yeah. But yeah, so I think so. I think it's gonna be cool because it's like a side of you people don't normally get, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. So that's kind of what I was going for. Yeah. But I wanted to ask what it's really like the real life of being a full-time YouTuber. Yeah. Because for most people, you have their dream job. Okay, yeah. So what is your schedule like? What does it really look like? Okay. I don't have a schedule. Mm -hmm. uh, being a YouTuber, okay, well, it depends on what type of YouTuber, right? Because, again, I'm very different than a lot of YouTubers. Some YouTubers I know live the best, like, life. Mm -hmm. Like, I always joke, and uh, one of my friends, David, like David Parody. I always joke and say he lives a retired life. So he does whatever he wants. You know what I mean? It's great. Um, there's some YouTubers I know. Chad Wild Clay films 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. every day. Like he is like with staff. Like he is like just, you know, work machine. Mm -hmm. So it depends on what type of YouTuber you are, right? And also how much you put into your craft. Um, me... For the most part, when you say, like, what's your schedule? I don't have a schedule. Mm -hmm. I just live YouTube. You know what I mean? Because, and I'm trying to kind of make it a little more structured, because, um, my, like, what a video requires and what that week requires is so, um, uh, so changing so often, I have to change so often, Right. So I, I don't have a schedule. Like mm -hmm. sometimes I'll go to bed to wake up at a, like I wake up at like eleven every day. You know what I mean? I'm just not an early morning person. I'm just mm -hmm. not. Um, but yeah, generally, okay. Like if I say an average day, wake I open my eyes at probably ten thirty. <laughs> you know, get out of bed at eleven, uh, and immediately being honest, which is terrible, I get on my phone right away. Mm -hmm. uh, Get on my phone right away, check everything, and I'll have a schedule from the day before on my notes of what I have to get done this day. And then I'll probably do emails um, for however long that takes. Um, a lot of calls just on uh, coordinating things and prepping things. And a lot of my business, in all fairness, is things I do outside of YouTube. Like I do a lot of um, just like investing stuff or if I'm, you know, I just got another house for real estate and things like that. Um, and then I'll be into the get shit done phase. And 
I'll be trying to prep the video and prep the people to be in my video, et cetera. Or the, the, the people I have to coordinate to be around that video for let's get Thursday date, we're filming, boom. Now I'll get shit done for the video and I'll work on that for the day. And then probably around, I'd say, you know, I'll eat my meals throughout the day and, and probably around, around, you know, eight o'clock or so, I'll probably be doing something that's not YouTube mm-hmm. for a couple hours and then go, oh shit, and get a little bit more done before bed and then go to bed. So mm-hmm. it's even hard for me to say that as a definite because, again, my every day is different for me. It's just whatever the day requires or entails, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. What about fans? Do you have any crazy fan interactions or get recognized ever? Yeah, I do. Um, I think uh, it's funny that I, I don't always wear this hat. And I know people seem to think that. I definitely don't. This is like the amount that I get fanned with, and like if I'm dressed a certain way, um, aka all black <laughs> or not, my fan interactions will be vastly different. Like if I like walk through Rito Center from start to finish, I'm probably going to get fanned. So I, I do get a good amount of fan interactions. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not like I get fanned everywhere I go. It's not like that. Um, but I do get fanned a lot. I'd say like, I, like I, everyone I think has kind of like a fan radar. Whenever I walk into a place, it's just automatic. Like you kind of just, as you're walking, you kind of just like with your eyes, you scan the area. Like the person that has this more than any person I've met is Charlie, like Wolfie. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes like I'll be walking, I'll be like, yo, like, like, like fans are over there. Like we just know, and it'll be like way far on a patio somewhere. He's like, yeah, I already saw that. Like driving in, he knew. Because, I mean, just like, there's a, there's a demographic, right? I see, if I see a boy that's between probably 10 and 15, 10 and 16, more often than, I would say more than 50% of the time, I know I'm being fanned. Mm-hmm. There's a lot, like you, and you know, just there's a certain way people look at you that's just different. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, they know when they know you. If I'm walking with my girlfriend, it's like, She's almost like fan protection. Not that I need protection, but it's like they don't approach me as much. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have some crazy fan interactions, um, but uh, not not too many crazy ones. It's pretty much just they follow you around the mall for seven minutes, ten yeah. minutes, just kind of being behind on their phones and taking snaps to the back of your head. And then they get the courage to eventually, when they realize it's their last chance, you know, when you're about to leave Walmart, or you're about to leave somewhere, then they run up last second. Oh, can I, can I get a real pick real quick? Or the most common one with me, I'd say, is I see a group of boys walking. And they go, oh, you, that's just this. And they're all talking. And I, I, I don't stop walking usually because uh, I got shit to do. <laughs> yeah. So I'm walking and then I'll just hear someone just sue. Like, like just from 20 meters away. And then they're all waving at me. I just say, what's up? And I keep walking. But yeah. Has anyone ever sent you anything weird? Like I know in Joey's case, someone sent him like toenail clippings or something like that. I heard that. Yeah. Um, I haven't opened a PO box, which I'm going to do. So I don't get sent things. Um, Things that I do get sent though are videos to my email and to my social medias. You get those literally every day or like um, on Instagram, like you can see like message requests and I probably get like 30, 40 of those a day sometimes. Uh, And uh, most some of them are just funny shit like guys waking their parents up in the middle of the night 
<laughs> to ask them like to subscribe to me or like I seen a kid make uh, a duct tape wall on his bunk bed and try to run through it and get wrecked, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, no, I don't, I don't think that I've, I've had anyone send me like, or have like something like, super weird, mm-hmm. you know, I signed a kid's forehead once. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's about it. I feel like there's some that I'm forgetting, but they're just, they're not like toenail clippings weird. You know, mm-hmm. so yeah, nothing extreme like that. Yeah. Oh, this one. Fuck. I don't know if the, if she followed through with this. I was at Playlist in Orlando, the last one. Don't even know when that was, but I was there. Um, and uh, there was a girl and she comes up to me and she runs past where she was allowed to go. But anyways, uh, she goes, sign your name on this paper, like, can I get your autograph? And I said, sure. And uh, to take a picture with her or whatever, and she's a massive fan. And she's like, I'll tell you what I'm doing with it afterwards. And I'm like, okay, cool, like, mm-hmm. whatever. Like, it's kind of weird, but I'm like, wait, what are you gonna do, you know? And she's recording me too. So I sign it, and there's some other YouTuber signatures on too. It's like a square, kind of like picture frame thing. As soon as I sign it, she goes, I'm getting this tattooed. And I go, what the fuck? Like, she's probably like, uh, like 16, 17. And I'm like, whoa, okay. You're like, slow down. Hold on. <laughs> like, first of all, let me re-sign that. Because I signed that <laughs> way too fucking fast. <laughs> yeah. So I redid it real nice. And I was like, wait, are you serious? Like, she's like, yeah, like dead serious. I'm going for my video after this. And I think I saw some other signatures. One was like um, Dang Matt Smith. Another one, um, I think it was the Backpack Kid. Mm. But uh, anyways, I was just like, you know, like, don't like, you don't actually have to do this. You know what I mean? And she's like, no, no, I want to. I've thought about it for a long time. I've talked to my parents and this and that. And she was dead serious. And I was like, well, like, I'm, I'm not going to really stop you. But like, maybe think this over for a week. Continue mm-hmm. your vlog next week. If you're 100% still down, like, good for you, tag me, you know? And uh, I haven't heard from her, so maybe she didn't. Yeah. But they're maybe walking around my signature on some girl in Florida. So That's crazy. Yeah. What's something people don't realize about being a full-time YouTuber? People don't realize about being a full-time YouTuber? Uh, hmm. I don't want to say just the, the cliche that, oh, it's more work than you think. Because mm-hmm. I think that's becoming more obvious. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's not that different is what I will say. Mm-hmm. You know, Or what people don't realize about being a full-time YouTuber, I'll say is that um, I don't know to say for that one. Yeah, yeah I, I, the big one is just that you never put YouTube down. Mm-hmm. YouTube is always with you. You know, when you, when you go use your phone, for the most part, for I think the YouTubers I know at least, you have a different relationship with your phone, with social media, because you are an influencer. When you meet people, you are, like you can't, when you leave your Starbucks job, you're not known as a Starbucks employee. Like, it's like, you work for Starbucks, right? Like, oh, that's the Starbucks guy. 
you don't put YouTube down. Mm-hmm. That's what I would say. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I don't know. So I have to ask everyone the same kind of standard questions okay. before we wrap up. All right. Kind of rapid fire, but you can elaborate on them as All well. Right. You're going to dinner and you can take three people. Okay. It could be anybody dead or alive. Who do you take to dinner? Okay. I didn't know you'd ask me this, but I heard this in Joey's podcast. Um, that's okay. Shit. That's so hard because it depends on what I want to talk about. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You said uh, dead or alive, right? Yeah, anybody. Like, I can think of like, oh, like who's like super like influential people that are like dead that like I want to just, just see, you know, like I'd bring like, you know, like Bob Marley and maybe Tupac or some guys like that. But then I go, oh, well, like, you know, there's some people I'd rather talk to actually than, than them. Okay, I'll, I'll be brief with this. I wanted to talk. Can I have breakfast, lunch, and dinner? For sure. Okay, breakfast. I'm having a meeting with Warren Buffett, Ray Dalio, and Tony Robbins. Because Tony Robbins is my favorite person on this planet. Okay. Yeah, he might be a guest at all the dinners. Um, I'm having a YouTube meeting for lunch. Really lunch kind of people. I don't know. <laughs> I'm bringing David Dobrik. I'm bringing Mr. Beast. He'll pay for the bill, obviously. And I'm bringing Logan Paul. And Casey Neistat's going to see us and pull up too. And then for dinner, uh, fuck, I should bring some dead people. Uh, Okay, dead people aren't coming. I'm bringing The Rock, Barack Obama, and Ellen. Ellen. Um, okay. Yeah. That'd be quite the day. Yeah. I don't know what we talk about with certain mm-hmm. ones of those, but yeah. yeah. Quite the day. Yeah. You know what? You know what? Oh, oh, fuck. I gotta get Joe Rogan in there. <laughs> it's too hard, man. Yeah. The thing, I don't know if you know this about me, probably not by what we've talked about so far, is that I'm very like, decisions aren't my thing. It's mm-hmm. like I can make decisions, but the problem is I like being too optimal. Mm-hmm. Like, my girlfriend always laughs because there was this time when I was picking up 200 jackets and I literally stayed in Banana Republic for, I swear to you, an hour and a half yeah. trying to decide which jacket I wanted because I don't like, like, I know maybe it doesn't really matter, but like, I'm like, well, this one's this and I, oh, like, which one am I going to choose? So this is a very hard question for me because mm-hmm. the, you know, that's huge. Yeah. Believe it or not, I'm a similar, since I've been a kid, decisions is just yeah. like, and then you get in your head and you like yeah. overthink it and then it yeah. becomes a bigger deal. Like so it's two jackets, but like you make exactly. it a bigger deal. Than that. Exactly. And then you end up, even after the decision, sometimes you're like, fuck, should I have? And it always works out. Yeah. I know that. But in the moment, mm-hmm. you still think that that decision is more important than it is. Or even know? like decluttering. I'm like, I come yeah. up with some weird scenario that might happen where I might mm-hmm. need this one shirt and like yeah. six months down the line. You know what I mean? Like, See, I'm actually at the complete opposite. Yeah, you can declutter easily. So I'm not, not easily... I think, because uh, like, I mean, I'm a little bit of a pack rat with certain things, mm-hmm. but my mentality is minimalist. Mm-hmm. Like Matt Davila. Yeah. Fuck, so he's good. so awesome. But I mean, I'm not as extreme as him, but like, I hate things. Mm-hmm. I'm a minimalist. Like, I don't like, there's so many times, like, I'll literally like buy a bunch of shit to solve a problem for a video, like I'll overbuy supplies or something. But, like, I just want to get rid of stuff. But 
again, it's like I'm a huge also like eco guy. I hate wasting. I like recycling and all these things. So um, yeah, I'm, I, I'm minimalist. Like I like just simple things. It clears your mind. I hate clutter. Um, yeah. 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 One thing I want to say, and I'll, yeah, I, I always keep saying I'll keep it short, but I don't. With those people, dinner with, I was trying to find people that are generally my favorite people. And aside from the YouTubers, my probably some of the people I really like in the world, no particular order. Like I like Tony Robbins. I like Ellen DeGeneres. I like The Rock. I like Will Smith. I like James Corden. Um, I like Usain Bolt. And people say, well, those people don't really all have that much to do with each other. Like, why the hell do you like Tony Robbins and why do you like Ellen? How do they relate? You know what I mean? And Kevin Hart's another one of them. The reason why I like all those people, Trevor Noah too, um, is that they are good, positive people. I think they have a positive impact on the world. They are, at the end of the day, they're nice. And that's fucking huge for me. Um, but here's the key factor. They're not pussies. Like, I like people that are nice even though they don't have to be. The Rock is a 6'5", 275 pound jacked GQ guy that's worth $400 million. And he beat up people for a living before. He doesn't have to be nice. Do you know what I mean? He can be a fucking dick, walk around in his Bugatti flexing. He can be that guy. And honestly, people would probably back him because he could fit that mold, right? But he doesn't. And he's still nice to you. You know what I mean? He's still a good person. He's still doing these things. Will Smith, same thing. Ellen DeGeneres, same thing. And all these people, by the way, have essentially come from nothing and they know struggle and all this. As well as that, though, they can stand their ground on, on and go against the norm against, against things. You know what I mean? They're, it's like there's a lot of people who are nice, but I feel like they're nice because realistically they're just a pussy. You know what I mean? They want people to like them for, because they're insecure and all these other things. Um, and that's why they're nice. And these people aren't that. Like, I wish Tony Robbins was president. I do. Mm -hmm. I think the world would be a better place, you know? And he's that same type of guy, you know? He doesn't need to be nice, but he is. And that's why I like all those people. And obviously, they're vastly successful, and maybe that had a lot to do with it, but yeah. There's one so. name you haven't said that I'm curious. Oh. Probably the guy I feel the way you feel about Tony Robbins is mm -hmm. Gary Vee. Gary Vee? How do you, how do you land, where do you land with him? Uh, I really like Gary Vee. Mm -hmm. I like the fact that Gary Vee is gritty. Like, uh, okay, I was going to say, he's like New York when most people in his genre are like LA. I don't know if people would get that. Um, he's... I follow, I, I watch all Gary, not me all, because the guy posts an insane so amount of content. Yeah. He actually DM'd me. Really? Yeah. I th you think it, he just said, I think it was to add on his Vayner Media thing. Um, like his assistant hit me up. Mm -hmm. I was like, holy fuck. This is, like, I didn't think it was any of the one. And then um, I looked in her bio and it was actually his assistant. I was like, oh fuck. And then I didn't reply. And I guess I took too long to reply. And then Gary bumped in saying, yeah, like, let's do it or something simple like that. And I thought it was a big deal at the time. And now I'm realizing it was probably just him 
because he boasts about reaching out to a billion, expand your net, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so he was probably just getting on a plane somewhere. I didn't even fucking know who I was, but he reached out to me, um, which was cool. Um, but I love Gary Vaynerchuk. And honestly, that's probably one of those people I should have put on the list. You're right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think there's with there's less um i think gary is better for the psychological input on things and the approach to to things opposed to the nuts and bolts tutorial on how to do it Mm -hmm. like he may not know how to be the best investor in the world, but he can teach you the attitude that you have to approach investing that will make you become a good investor or a good social media person. I read his book, Crushing It. Mm-hmm. I listened to the audiobook. Audible, I'm a dick writer for fucking Audible. I'm telling you, I, I back Audible. They've actually sponsored me. Mm-hmm. But even before that, I love Audible. It's the greatest thing. Everybody should have it. Anyways, I read Crushing It, great book. Um, where was I going with that? Um, oh yeah, he'll t- teach you the mentality. Like they say, would Ray Lewis make a great accountant? Hell yeah, Ray Lewis would be a great accountant. Does he know about anything about accounting? Fuck no, he doesn't. But you make a great accountant because he would attack accounting like it's the only thing that mattered in this world and he would grind for it. Nothing would stand in his way, right? And I think Gary Vee really puts that mentality in people that you don't, you're not, like you're not entitled to shit. You know what I mean? You're not entitled to shit. You need to, like, you can't, you can't expect to make a million dollars when you work like a minimum wage worker. You know what I mean? You can't, he just, there's a lot of examples, but he always says your work ethic has to match your ambition. And I love that he's the, he's the, he's the fuck you to pussy motivators. You know what I mean? Like, he's just the, He's the grit, and I really like that about him, which is awesome. Yeah, yeah, and I think he's very good at forecasting things. Mm-hmm. I think he's a uh, he's very he's very good at reading the play about what's going on in the world, and um, yeah, like I think he he can see kind of the future, mm-hmm. so to speak. Yeah, I hope to meet Gary Vee one day. Me too. Yeah, I've come close, not close. I've sat in his office, but he wasn't there. Okay, that's his the I, closest I've been to gary yeah i know guys i know him really well sean Durris mm-hmm. and holiday mm-hmm. um those guys uh trav they they're like fists with them from what i know uh and i'm really close with them so i do think i'll meet him one day mm-hmm. um yeah so yeah yeah and then on the amount of content he puts content he puts out yeah i had one of his videographers on here and like editor and stuff she ballparked 400 a week 400 pieces of content they put out a week that's so mind-blowing bananas i mean they're they're very good at Again, it's repurposing content, mm-hmm. right? It's like you can take a podcast and probably post 200 posts from it. Yeah. It's like you can't, you could kind of do that with mine, but not really. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, fuck, I should say, I don't, fuck, Gary Vee's so great. He's so great. I think, yeah, he's, yeah. Mm-hmm. What's some of the best advice you've ever been given? Some of the best advice I've ever been given. Hmm. Again, because I'm so particular on it. I don't know. I can think of moments, um, moments in my life where advice was very important, but I don't necessarily think it was the best. Mm-hmm. Well, it was the best advice, but it's not like the most uh, 
applicable to everyone. Uh, I remember uh, I wanted to be a professional football player. Um, uh, and I was also like, when I grew up a really bad kid, really like poor, really bad neighborhood, like gang violence, all that shit. Uh, and in grade nine, I got expelled from St. Pat's, which was uh, a really bad school, actually. Not fairly bad school, but like, it's hard to get expelled from St. Pat's is what I'm telling you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's because I treated school like, um, I-, I treated school like university, whereas basically it's, I got the notes, I don't need to go to class. Fuck it, why, what the hell? Like, what do you mean? 45 minute bus ride, my friend's gonna give me the notes, I'll ace the test, cool, we're good. But attendance mattered and I didn't realize that. Uh, so I got expelled. And uh, Chris, who was uh, Charlie's dad, they were in, living in London at the time, came back and he's a person that I really take seriously when it comes to advice and stuff. And he just stopped the car and told me like, like you're like, he very rarely speaks serious to me like that. But he told me that, listen, your path and your goals don't align, right? You cannot be a professional football player without going to school. Nobody, it's, you can't go from straight from high school to the NFL. It doesn't happen. It's just, it's impossible. Mm. Um, so in order to do that, you're going to have to align those two, right? And immediately after I, that's a very short version of what he said. Yeah. Um, but immediately after I went reach ahead and became a massive genius student, won a bunch of comeback awards and became the med school guy. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Basically, and yeah, so it's, yeah, there's a lot of advice I've gotten about specifics of things, but they're not overall life advice. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I think the overall message is with, with everything is, uh, I like what Gary Vee says, your work ethic has to match your ambition, mm-hmm. period. Yeah. And I asked you what's one thing people wouldn't expect about being a YouTuber, mm-hmm. but what's one thing people wouldn't expect about you specifically? Wouldn't expect about me? Yeah. That I'm smart. Okay. Uh, I, th- I honestly think people think uh, that I'm pretty fucking stupid, to mm-hmm. be honest. Yeah. Because of my videos, right? Mm-hmm. There's a comedic appeal to being dumb. But let me just say, I'm going back to the fake thing a little bit. There is, uh, I intentionally be dumb in certain cases because it's funny, but I can't like speak very well. Like I'm good at actually pretty good at public speaking. Um, but that's prepped ahead of time. Like when it comes to like small time working memory, I'm shit. Like I remember I was like, I couldn't, this happened like fucking two weeks ago. I was like, what the hell is a male waitress? And I couldn't figure out what the hell I was like, you know, the, the, uh, like a male waitress, she's like a waiter. I'm like, yes. And like, just shit like that. Like I fumble on my words. I say, I seen instead of I saw, like, I'm just shit with words. Yeah. But aside from being dumb in simple ways like that, I'm really smart. Mm-hmm. Like I'm the guy that everyone, that's why I got my start on YouTube. Everyone asks me, like so many people call me for advice on everything. You know what I mean? Like I, I know guys are lawyers that call me and, and ask me about certain things. What do you think about this? How do you figure this out? And I think that's the most greatest ability anyone could ever have mm-hmm. is to not know the outcome of something or not know Like you, you can tell me right now. Oh, fuck. I talk too much. 
you can ask me to do something that I have no fucking idea how to do it, right? But I know that if you put my back against the wall, I'm gonna be able to figure out how to do it. I'm the figure it out smart guy. People call me when they don't know how to do shit. I'm gonna duct tape Sean to the ceiling. Is that possible? I don't fucking know. But I will be able to figure it out and make it work and make it happen. Um, so yeah, I, I think that people wouldn't expect that out of me. I think people think I'm a bumbling idiot for the most part. What's yeah. one thing that's so important everybody needs to know? One thing so important that everyone needs to know that karma is real mm -hmm. in my mind. <laughs> um, and that adding value is the most important thing you can do in anything. Mm -hmm. If you want to be good at that or be successful in that, I think Mr. Beast is the best example of that. Um, if you're not getting paid enough at work, add more value. You know, you want to be more important to someone, you want them to give more, add more value to them. Be just add more value and be good. That when there's a conscious decision about things, you know what I mean? It's fuck, I could just throw this cup out the window. You know what I mean? Fuck, it's dirtying my car. I could just do that and it'll even benefit me. Mm -hmm. Most of like just don't fucking do it. Most of the time when people ask for hard advice like that, they know the answer. They're just not looking for someone else's validation for it. Do the right thing. That's what I would say. And it will come back to help you. Maybe not immediately in a sense because my car has been full of plastic before, you know, um, but it will ultimately lead to your success. And when you like focus on, sorry, I'm ranting again. That's okay. But focus on, if you don't worry about like, so people, are, when they're small, for example, with anything, they're so worried about someone else making their success happen. Mm -hmm. And I think that, like, they're worried about attracting other people, right? Don't worry about that shit. When you build yourself, people will come to you. Steve Harvey had a person in his audience say, I can't find a man. You know, she was looking for relationship advice. I go to the grocery store, I try hitting on guys, I do this, that, I just can't find one. And the guys will do this, right? They'll go hit on girls at the bar, this and that, and they don't get them, or maybe they have some success. If you want people, whether it's in networking, whether it's in business, whether it's a relationship, whatever, build yourself and people will come to you. Mm -hmm. People hit me up, you know what I mean? Girls slide in my DMs because you don't chase them. Why? It's because they see what you are. They see that you're what they want to be or their vision or you give off that energy and they'll come to it. You know, you're the light, they're the mosquitoes type of thing or fireflies or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah. I think I just said a lot of things that people need to know. Add fucking value. Yeah. Add value. For the yeah. last question, I kind of like to flip the script a little bit. Okay. So if you had a crystal ball and you could look into it and you could get the answer to anything, what yeah. is one question you would want to know the answer to? How can I keep that crystal ball? <laughs> would be really um, One thing I could know the answer to. Shit. Particular guy, man. Um, it wouldn't even be a success thing. Fuck it. What happens when you die? 
It's mm-hmm. a classic one. I think I'd run the world. Yeah. 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 I want to know what happens when you die. Yeah. I think is the biggest one. That would that'd be great to figure that out, wouldn't it be? Oh, for sure. I mean, it's a very high risk, high reward though, right? Mm-hmm. Because if nothing happens, you'd be like, fuck. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. Life's pretty shit now. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I kind of want to give you a different answer. Because I feel like that's cliche. I don't like cliche answers. Know the answer. Yeah, I don't know. We'll go with that. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome, man. I want to thank you for taking the time to come okay. on this podcast. I think this is the second longest episode ever. Really? And the longest solo. I, I could have made it so much longer. So I skimmed some stuff. Like really? Yours. Yeah. Yeah, sorry about that. No, that's okay. perfect. I yeah. like the long ones. Yeah. Uh, but so, I want to give you the floor. Where can the people find you? Plug everything you got. Just Dustin. Yeah, yeah, everywhere. Yeah, awesome. except, well, it's on Facebook, but I don't use it. So if you follow mm-hmm. me, don't expect some content. <laughs> Do you have any, part, yeah. any parting thoughts or anything? Parting thoughts? Yeah, or anything else you want to talk anything about before we wrap up? Say? Yeah. Be nice to people. Mm-hmm. Ellen says it because it's fucking true. Be nice to people, but don't be a pussy. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, people will mistake your kindness for weakness, and sometimes you have to remind them that, well, you're not fucking weak. So, Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, thank you once again for coming on the show. Appreciate it. And I want to thank everybody for listening. Whether you've listened the entire way through, you've only listened to bits and pieces, I really appreciate you taking the time to check this out. Guys, do me a favor. Go and follow Dustin on everything. I'll make sure everything's linked in the show notes down below. And if you'd like to follow me, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at, at the Jacob Kelly. Come and say hello. My DMs are always open. And if you'd like to follow the podcast, just search up My Social Life on YouTube or Instagram and we'll come up. Thank you once again for listening, everybody. We'll talk soon. See ya.